Singles, I'm your host Chelsea and welcome to another Big Friday podcast. For this message, Brother Mike Yap will be sharing the story of Daniel and the importance of standing firm in our faith when the going gets tough. So everyone, here's our message. Good day! Happy Friday to our Big Singles family. This is Mike and I'm so glad to be joining you tonight as we cap off our series on Turning Point. Now, if you've been with us through these past few weeks, we have been discussing making the right decisions where it matters the most. Now, you might be in a season where you're trying to discern God's will for your future, what you ought to do for your work or your relationship, where to move with your family, whatever situation or scenario you find yourself in. This is a useful series for us to be guided by none other than the Bible on how to make these crucial life decisions. Now, as we just recap some of the topics that we've discussed, I know that Brother Paul de Vera started with King Solomon's life on how we go about our priorities and our pursuits. And Pastor Ikoi did a wonderful job of just uh, honing in on decision-making with our proper response in the story of Ruth and Boaz. And for today, we're going to be talking about purity of heart or what I call, you know, being purposeful in life's decisions. And we're going to tackle this character called Daniel. Everyone say that with me, Daniel. Now, for most of you, you might have encountered Daniel in one way or another in your Sunday class or your kids' stories or whatever, right? But for today, we want to dive in into how he went through all of these seasons, all of these changes in his own life. And you know what? Uh, I did a little work on this. Did you know what Daniel's name means? In fact, it means this, God is my judge. And we will see in his life and in a few short snippets how we can see that Daniel actually lived out his life for the sake of not himself, not for his friends or community, but for the sake of God alone. He understood that he was living and focusing on God alone. And that was enough of a turning point for Daniel. Now, we can relate with Daniel because he is living in a tumultuous time. You know, if you can just imagine living in his life where you see your homeland crumbling to pieces, your country being conquered by another. And look, this is the opening question that we have for all of us today. And this is, how do you stand firm when the going gets tough? We see Daniel's life, how he encountered so, so many difficult situations throughout the book of Daniel. And we ask ourselves at this point, how do we stand firm? How do we actually go about our decisions? How do we move forward with whatever we're faced with? And take note, when the going gets tough, this means that we have this pandemic, which we still don't know when will be the end of it. We have uh, people, difficult people, maybe you're working with them, maybe it's the, the difficult people in your life or uh, your boss or your colleagues, or even up closer, uh, the people that you live with, your family or relatives or siblings or parents. Um, they may be problems that have arrived during the course of these seasons. Maybe you find yourself in a few challenges or whatnot. Or maybe it's a bunch of personal, personal issues. 
maybe your mental health is at stake or maybe you're dealing with so much inner turmoil. Whatever problem or challenge you're facing today, I pray that this message would allow you to stand firm. Say that with me again. Stand firm. This is the only way to move forward in any turning point where we stand firm on our foundation and we walk with God in and every season. Now, before we begin, why don't I just call us all together in a word of prayer. Let's pray, guys. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are indeed the God who journeys with us through every season, through every juncture, through every turning point, through every fork on the road. Wherever we find ourselves in, O oh Lord, you are with us all along the way. And we thank you, Lord, that today we have this opportunity to study the life of Daniel, how at crucial certain points in his life, he allowed you alone to be his judge and you alone to be his focus. So we pray all together today that all of us would learn, that all of us would be granted understanding, wisdom, and insight. And Lord, we realize that this pandemic, this season is so much for us to bear and indeed we cannot bear it alone. So we ask for your presence, dear Lord, to be with us now as we listen to this message. Speak in and through me, O Lord, for your people, for their benefit. And we pray that you will allow us to stand firm. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, to just set the context of where we find Daniel's story at, we find him during the reign of the Babylonian Empire. This is around 6th, 7th century BC. That means before Christ. So this is about 600 to 700 years before Christ. And we see where uh, Daniel lived in this small patch. We call that um, Israel or the Promised Land or by this time Judah. And we see that this Babylonian empire just rose across the Middle East and conquered this huge part of land. They came from here, near Mesopotamia, near the Tigris and Euphrates River. And look at what they did. Now, the Babylonians were very wise in how they conquered people. It's they went through these lands and they deported some of the best people in the land and placed them back in Babylon. They exiled them in their own land in order for them to be enculturated or indoctrinated or, uh, you know, brainwashed for our common, common day language. So they took the best of the people, right? The cream of the crop, the top-notch people, the most influential, and they brought them back to Babylon in order to condition them to work or to live within the Babylonian construct or way of life. So that is the context where we find Daniel and his friends at. They're probably young at this point. They were probably in their teens when the Babylonians conquered and they were deported along many, many others, uh, many uh, Jews at that time. And so we see that even in life's twists and turns, we must, what? Stand firm. Now, can you just imagine for a second you being in the shoes of Daniel? Now, you were living, you know, in relative comfort in your own country, and then all of a sudden, something changed overnight. You were conquered, and then you were, you know, exiled to some place, right? Now, it, this is not too far to say, but this is sort of the same thing that happened with us over the past year or so. 
we were going about our daily lives, we were doing our businesses, doing our work, and then all of a sudden, overnight, this pandemic brought about by the COVID virus just swept in and just exiled us in our homes. Now, how do you actually stand firm in the midst of such an exile? Now, I named the acronym FIRM as a reminder for all of us, and it stands for this. F stands for faithfulness. I stands for integrity. These are two characteristics that we see in the life of Daniel and his friends embodied. And next to that, from their being faithful and having integrity from their character, now outflows what they do, their actions. They resist and then they minister. So this is a, a useful acronym for us as we stand firm. Remember, in our identity, in our being, Okay? Because the being precedes the doing. In our being, we should focus on our faithfulness and integrity. And once we have secured that, we will see how we can resist and minister. So, let's get into the story of Daniel in chapter 1. We see right here in this, just the, the first foray or the first challenge that they have. They had all of the, the conquered people and they were given um, a portion of the king's table which was filled with meat and wine and all of that. But Daniel and his friends, they stood by their kosher, uh, you know, dietary restrictions as said in the Torah or the law. So they had a certain specific diet that these Babylonians were uh, not adhering to. They were imposing that these kids or these teens would actually uh, adhere to their dietary laws. And so look at this, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank, and therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So we see here an indicator that even Daniel resolved. Now when we check this word, resolved not to take part, even in the diet, we see the word here, it means to set up like a siege. Okay, it means to put a wall or a defense around you in advance. You see, many of us, we don't realize that we have to make a resolve before the situation comes upon us or before the problem or the challenge arises. For Daniel, he made it a resolve prior, beforehand, in advance, that he would set up a siege around him, that he would have a barrier or a wall or a defense, right? So in this way, we see that Daniel had that character of integrity and faithfulness. He didn't want to partake of the king's table. And look what happens next. And the king, after, you know, uh, after 10 days, uh, they, they, they said, okay, watch, watch us. We'll just have our, our vegetables and all of that. And uh, don't do anything to us and just observe it. And so even gently, they, they, they followed through on their resolve. And after 10 days, they were actually healthier than the rest of the people who ate meat and drank wine from the king's table. Now, this is not a story for you to be a vegetarian or <laughs> to be a, a vegan, but this is showing us how faithfulness looks like in a very corrupt world. You see, you have to make those barriers, those resolves prior to the challenge because when you do not make a resolve and then the challenge comes upon you, man, you are going to be undone. You're going to fall through the cracks and you're just going to slip in like the rest of the people. Not so Daniel. He made a siege. He made, 
he set apart himself and his friends, and that made all the difference. And look at Daniel 1. Look at this. After that whole thing, the king even saw, right, that these kids were extraordinary, that these teens actually had something different about them. And so in verse 19, the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel and his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Isn't that amazing? After setting themselves apart, putting a defense, resolving not to compromise, the king actually saw that there was none like them. They were different. They were special. And look at this. Therefore, they stood before the king. They even had an audience with the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them what? Twice? No. Ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. So we see from Daniel and his friends that their faithfulness in the little things actually gave them or gave them regard for the bigger things. Look, because of their dietary restrictions, they didn't compromise on it. You know, they stood their ground gently and humbly. And look at this. They even surpassed that of the professionals in the land. They were 10 times better. And verse 21, look at this. Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Now the author, I think in this case, Daniel was uh, referring, referred to the third person and it just made a remark, okay, that he lasted several kingdoms. And we'll get to that in the end of this message. How many kingdoms and kings did Daniel actually surpass, okay? But I share this because when we're talking about faithfulness, okay, this big, big word in our Christian faith, faithfulness, it is being filled with faith in our everyday lives. And we see this in the lives of Daniel and his friends. What does faithfulness look like? Well, number one, they were resilient, right? Even despite the changing times, even despite being conquered and having a new king, a new ruler over them, they were resilient, Okay? They did not budge, they did not compromise, and they actually figured out a way to actually, you know, be better, right? Number two, they were resourceful. Look, there was none found like them because of their resilience. And look, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired, they were resourceful. Meaning, whatever the king threw at them, whatever question he had, whatever inquiry they had, you know, they were able to, to do it, to fulfill it. And next, we see that they were recognized because of that. They were 10 times better than all of the rest. And finally, they remained. They outlasted everyone else because they were resilient, resourceful. They were recognized by their community, by others, and then they remained. They actually stood strong and stood firm. Now, when we think about this in our own lives, in what way can I practice faithfulness, right? If Daniel and his friends could do it, could stand firm in being faithful, even despite the changing times they were in, how can we practice the same thing? Now, mind you, when we're talking about faithfulness, remember, it starts with the little things. Faithfulness is not this outlandish, extraordinary, super beyond, out there, transcendent kind of thing. No, faithfulness starts with the little things. 
Faithfulness looks like waking up an extra hour early just to spend some quiet, unhurried moments with the Lord, just to be able to fix your bed and prepare everything else before you work. Not, work, not waking up at 9 a.m. on the dot when you have a 9 a.m. meeting for your work. You get what I'm saying? Are we learning so far? Faithfulness looks to the little things. And I remember Scripture saying that he who is faithful with the little things, much more will be granted upon him. This is the Christian way. That we actually start with the little things and God just gives us a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. So for us to stand firm, we have to work. We have to practice our faithfulness. And so, what's the message for today? Stand firm. Be faithful in the little things. Even if it's just a little, if it's minuscule, and even if you feel like it's insignificant, you know what? God sees that. Even with Daniel's name, God is my judge. He will see every little thing that I contribute for his kingdom. Even if others don't recognize it, I do it for my God and my Lord. That's the example of Daniel at this point. Now, moving forward, as we talk about faithfulness, faithfulness will bring you to the place of influence. Amen? For Daniel and his friends, they were faithful in the little things. It brought them to the palace before the king. They were recognized. They were resilient, resourceful. They, were, they remained in the palace. And look at this. Faithfulness is not, is not, you know, it's not enough. Why? Integrity. Integrity will keep you there. Faithfulness will bring you to the place of influence, but integrity will keep you there. And so we move on to the next part of our story in Daniel 6, where we see Daniel exhibiting his integrity. A certain point uh, after that, a bunch of other people were jealous. They were angry at Daniel because he was given a secure position. In fact, he was second okay, to the, to, the, to the central authority. He was right up there, right? So from a, from a young Hebrew Jewish boy, you know, conquered, exiled, and now he rose to the ranks and he was top of his game. In Daniel 6, a bunch of other people wanted to get rid of him. And this is what they did. So it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom. This is another king already, remember? 120 satraps. These are like co-regents or co-governors to be throughout the whole kingdom. This is the Persian kingdom, by the way, which came after the Babylonian kingdom. Then this Daniel, again, became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps. He was faithful because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Imagine that. He was to be like over the whole kingdom. And so look at this. The people who were against Daniel said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. We see here the aspect of Daniel's integrity. That they couldn't even find a, a, a loophole, a shortcut, or something to taint his character when in fact they just could find it in connection with the laws of his God. Isn't that amazing? Daniel was faithful in the little things and that accumulated all throughout the years to his character being beyond reproach, being, you know, blameless. 
he kept his integrity. And so these satraps, they, they came up with a way to trap Daniel. And in verse 7, look at this. They, they actually um, enticed and lured the king unknowingly, established an ordinance and enforced an injunction immediately that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, that means if you're going to pray or, or ask of a deity, of a god or man, Look at this, to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, Darius, he shall be cast into the den of lions. So these guys, these detractors, these opponents of Daniel were very smart. They said if someone prays other than to, to, to King Darius, then he shall be thrown into the lion's den. And the next part of the story is when Daniel heard of this, wow, he just bowed down and prayed to God. He was like, man, I need to keep my integrity. I cannot pray to King Darius because he is not my God. So if you were stuck in this position, what would you do? I bet some of us would be tempted to compromise. Well, anyway, God understands my heart, you know. Um, I, I'll just pray to King Darius. But, you know, in reality, I'm praying to the Lord, to Yahweh. Right? That's the sample of compromising. And so in Daniel 6, in verse 14, when finally um, Daniel was caught by his opponents and he was thrown into, uh, into being blamed for not following on this edict. Look at this. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. So the king was, you know, dumbfounded. He was like, how can this slip my mind? And now Daniel is in peril. He's going he's gonna to be indicted and he's going to be put into the lion's den. So he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. This shows us again how Daniel, his faithfulness, his integrity, his character was so trustworthy that even the king who decreed it unknowingly was now distressed over Daniel. And so look at this. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And look at what the king said. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. So the king had no choice. He released Daniel to be put into the lion's den. But look at this. We see this pagan king, this non-Jewish king, actually pray over Daniel. Isn't that amazing? He prays that your God may deliver you. And look at this. Daniel serves his God continually. That is integrity. That is faithfulness. And look at this. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. Hindi lang siya pray He fasted too. Isn't that amazing? No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. So the king was so preoccupied about praying and fasting for Daniel. He was like, you know what? I hope Daniel makes it through the lion's den. This is all on me. This is my mistake. This is my oversight. And so when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, the satraps or his opponents were like, oh, I bet Daniel is dead by now. And look at what happens next. Daniel is having <laughs> the time of his life. This is a meme. I love memes, but I just wanted to show it to you. So what happens next in Daniel 6, verse 20? The king went the next day, the very next day. Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? He was like, hey, 
Hey Daniel, are you still alive? Are you still there? And then a few moments of silence. Oh no, he must have been eaten alive. And then all of a sudden, verse 21, Then Daniel said to the king, Oh king, live forever. I'm here. I'm alive. And he said, May God send my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. What is this? Integrity. God is Daniel's judge, and God will be the one to deliver him because he had integrity, because he was blameless. Even from this consequence, which was to man's eyes, impossible for God, he made a way. He shut the lion's mouths and did not cause Daniel to be harmed. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Isn't that amazing? God delivered Daniel because he was of character. He was blameless. He had integrity. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. And so Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had what? Trusted in his God. Integrity means that even when we face some of these challenges, some of these repercussions, we know that God will deliver us, that God will take care of us ultimately. We can trust in him. He is a good God all the time, even when we don't understand what is happening before us. You see, some of us, we complain. We have this grumbling spirit now. Lord, tama naman yung ginawa ko. Ah. Everything I did was in accordance to your will. And still, you're feeling persecuted. You're feeling overlooked. Or you're feeling like, you know what? Where's my reward? And yet, we can see from the life of Daniel, he entrusted his life. He trusted in God. And he was blameless. And so God delivered him. Okay? That deliverance may not come instantly, but it will come ultimately. God will deliver us in the same way that he delivered Daniel from the lions in the den. And so, what can we learn about integrity? First of all, integrity is that you're innocent. That you make it upon yourself that you have nothing no reason whatsoever to be doubted. You are innocent. And this takes work, guys. You must always seek your conscience. You must always seek the, the word of the Lord to see if your intentions are pure, right? For, for Daniel, he was just doing right. He was just seeking the Lord and praying. And he will not bow down or pray to any other man or deity for that matter. And so he had innocence. He had his pure intentions. And he was intact in his character. He did not compromise. He did not give up his way of life just to be able to please other people. And so we see from our very own lives as Christians, look at this. I'm going to ask you this question, which I was asked several times by my wife, Yvette. Are you one person? That is the meaning of integrity. Integer from math. Now, we're not so good at math, but we can figure out that we are one person everywhere. And that means before God and before others. It means that we don't compartmentalize our lives, that we are different people before our family, our church, our work, our friends, or even on social media, where we place this profile around us, where we put up a facade, 
and we we are like a chameleon when we act towards people when we relate with them when we connect with them we're different people but look at daniel he was one person before his god and before other people before king darius before his friends and before even his opponents his workmates get this guys we have to check ourselves whether we are indeed keeping our integrity that we are one person only all the time anywhere any situation like i mentioned my wife called me out on this when we were still um in our courtship phase you know uh, i would introduce her to my family to my workmates to church folks and she noticed she discerned it that you know you act differently before different people so i realized wow that's true i have acted just to people please and so I, 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 I repented of that and said, Lord, help me to be one person anywhere I am with anyone. Let me be just the true Mike, your new creation. And let me not be a hypocrite. Let me not put on these different masks. What about you? Are you keeping your integrity intact? Are you innocent in keeping your conscience, your inner intentions pure? See? That speaks volumes about how our main message today is what? We stand what? Firm. First, in our being, in our identity, we are faithful. We keep our faithfulness in the little things. Next, integrity. We are one person in every scenario, in every situation, whether good or whether bad or challenging. We are one person before God and before others. And as we continue in Daniel 3, I want to go back to our, to our third point. It is resist. Okay, resist. And this story, many of you are familiar with it. In Daniel 3, this is now with Daniel's friends. It's funny how even Daniel's character, I think, uh, if I can make an inference, rubbed off on his friends, right? Because his friends in Daniel 3, look at this. Uh, the wicked king Nebuchadnezzar, once again put up a statue and he commanded people okay look at this he says whoever does not fall down in worship shall immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace uh what is it with these, with these kings right they, they're very self uh oriented so nebuchadnezzar put up this huge statue and called everyone to bow down before it and look at this there are certain jews uh who you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Okay, these are the three friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They have been given new names. You know this from chapter 1? They have been given Babylonian names. These are names actually of demon gods that the Babylonians uh, worship. So imagine that. You're exiled, you're given a new demonic name, and now you're being called to bow down to this king and his image or idol. These men, O king, again, they're detractors, they're opponents, they're jealous, and they want to tear down these people. O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So again, we see how these people are, you know, all about tearing these people down. And what, how do they respond? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Sam for short, S-A-M answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. It's like, you know what? This is what we stand for, O king. And look, 
If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to, again, deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. So, what can we learn from them? They are still addressing the king, you know, in gentleness and humility. They, they call him king. And yet they do not bow down to the idol, right? So they recognize that this guy is in authority, but yet they won't worship this guy. And he says, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from this consequence, from this punishment, if ever you put us into this fiery furnace but look at the attitude some of us we will stop right here our god will deliver us but look at the next verse but if not but if not be it known to you o king that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up talking about resistance right they said you know what? Our God can. It's it. And in fact, He is able to deliver us. And yet, if He does not, we will still serve Him alone. Isn't that amazing? Most of us Christians, we just prefer this first option. God will deliver us. God will do His part. And yet, we fail to realize that sometimes, even if He does not, even if He does not provide that initial relief, that temporary convenience, even if He puts us through the fire, it is only there in the fire that we actually experience and encounter His loving presence. You see, most of us, we pray for our obstacles and challenges to be taken away. But let me tell you this, my dear friends. Why not instead pray that in the midst of these challenges and difficulties, that we stand firm that we pray for strength from on high to be able to en endure and withstand any of these things, for wisdom, how to navigate, instead of taking away the challenge. See, we must inspect too the way that we pray. And look what happens next in Daniel 3, verse 24. The king says, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, But I see... Not three. I see what? Four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Wow. Even if God permitted them to be thrown into this fiery furnace that was doubly heated in that nasunong yung guard na nagheat ng furnace, look. God's presence was with them. There was a fourth person in the midst of the flame. And some commentators say that this is a theophany. A theo meaning God, phany meaning appearance. This is a cameo appearance by none other than Christ himself appearing with these three friends. Sort of saying, you know, I imagine, what was their conversation like? Wow, I couldn't imagine that this is, uh, you know, the feeling of uh, being set on fire. <laughs> and they were in the midst of God. And verse 26, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Isn't that amazing? Through 
them being put to the fire, the king witnessed how faithful God is. How God actually delivered his people in this sense. In that, they weren't spared from the fire, but when they were thrown into the fire, God was in their midst. You see, the same thing can be real in our lives. When we share about what we have gone through, our challenges, our difficulties, and when, you know, sometimes these difficulties aren't resolved overnight, there's a slow process, you know, it feels like we're burning, it feels like we're, we're just struggling on, wrestling on, but in the midst of that, we can tell others, man, God is with me in this struggle. God is with me as I wrestle. And look at this. King says, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. The same word, trusted in their God to deliver them. And set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. Then the king, my bonus pa, promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Isn't that amazing? So the next time that you see and experience the trials, the fiery trials that God has permitted you, remember that God is with you and that He will also use that to showcase His faithfulness in your life for other people to say, wow, blessed be the God of this person. Blessed be your God. Praise your God because He has seen you through and you were unflinching. You had integrity. You had faithfulness in the midst of this. You resisted being compromised or corrupted by the culture around you. And so I ask you at this point in time, when it comes to resistance, when it comes to standing firm, the question that we must ask ourselves is this. What areas of life have you bowed down to the world rather than the Word of God? You see, there are many times, even as I preach this to you, you know, there are many times that in my own life when I inspect it, man, I'm compromising, right? When it comes to late, you know, in the evening when I've done all my hard work, instead of spending a few quiet moments with the Lord, reading His Word, I would rather turn on Netflix and just watch and binge on something else. And, you know, I order all of these other things on e-commerce, on Lazada, or, you know, I order this food just to make myself feel better instead of sharing it with others, right? In what way are you bowing down to the ways of this world rather than to the Word of God? Remember, you need to inspect yourself. You need to ask yourself every now and then if you are compromising and not resisting the culture, compromise, or maybe you're calloused already. You've allowed sin to creep into your life where you're already just so numb to the Word of God that you're so induced with all of these cultural pleasures, these fleshly delights that you're calloused before God, that you don't even hear Him or listen to His Word, His truth. Or maybe you've fallen into complacency. Maybe you're just coasting through your Christian walk. And you've, you've not stood firm. Maybe you've just went through the motions day in and day out. See, me too. I've experienced that in the long weeks and days of this pandemic, especially in the ECQ, 
where every day is almost the same, every week is almost the same, and yet, what does God tell us to do? Stand firm. Resist the temptation to compromise. Don't budge on the faith that has been entrusted to us. We need to be faithful. We need to have integrity. We need to resist the culture, the society, all of these ideologies that are pressing on us, all of these temptations that are luring us away. And finally, we need to, in the midst of this, when we stand firm, we need to minister. We have to have that mindset of ministry. Now, what do we mean by this? To minister is not just us, you know, ministering to the people around us. To minister in the strict sense of the word actually also means to minister to God. What do we mean by this? Well, number one, let's see how Daniel outlasted these kingdoms. Look at this, four kings. Imagine being under the most wicked Babylonian conqueror, Nebuchadnezzar, for 43 years. And after that, as if it's not enough, King Belshazzar, his uh, heir, for 14 years. And finally, taken over by the Persians, King Darius, three years. Okay? Ito yung kalaban ng 300, the Spartans. And then finally, King Cyrus, six years. How many total? Do the math. This is how standing firm looks like. Whatever season, how many years, however long a period of time, like Daniel, he stood firm. And look at this, something that I want to share with you because in his ministry, he did not only minister to these kings to guide them, to interpret their dreams, to give wisdom, to share the ways of God as a witness in their wicked world. But get this, Daniel was a very prayerful man. He ministered unto the Lord on behalf of Israel, his people. And look, just a sampling of Daniel 9. If you have the chance to read this whole chapter, it's beautiful. It shows us the way that Daniel prays. And look, let's read this all together. Then I turned my face to the Lord God. He says, I set my focus on you, God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy. With fasting and sackcloth and ashes, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession. Does that exemplify or does that showcase our own walk and our own approach with God? Is this how we live our Christian lives where we're seeking and turning our face towards God? We're praying and fasting and, and we're praying and making confession. We're pleading with God. You see, he had a vibrant prayer life. That's how Daniel was able to surpass all of these kingdoms. He not only ministered to people, but he ministered to God through intercession. And look at this. O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned. See, Daniel did not have that, you know, holier-than-thou attitude. He says, we all, your people, the Israelites, have sinned against you and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. So you see, instead of pointing the finger, he prayed this intercessory prayer on behalf of the nation, asking 
for God's mercy because they have disobeyed Him. You see, we need prayer in our lives. It is our way to get through all of these challenges. And might I invite you to intercede weekly every Friday noontime. It's where we pray as a church and we fast together and we pray on behalf of our nation and the world. Look at this. In Daniel 9, he says at the end of his prayer, Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Listen to us, God. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. He's referring to Jerusalem. We do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness. But look at this, the posture, the attitude. But because of your great mercy. He is saying, you know what? We pray to you, O Lord, and we ask you to hear us not on the basis of our righteousness or our own good works or our own good standing or our own merit, but because of your great mercy. Daniel understood grace. He understood the character of God in his trying and difficult season. And he says, look at this, the beautiful part of this prayer. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Does this embody your walk with Christ? Does this embody the way that you follow after God, even in the midst of challenges, even in the midst of all of the side roads, all of the twists and turns of life? Are you still prayerfully clinging on to God as if He were your life? Like right here, what Daniel is showing us into his inner life, an example of prayerful abiding in God. So you see, at this point, as we wind down in our message, I want to ask you this, and these are self-check. Right now, we've been in this pandemic for about a little over a year and a few months, and we must ask ourselves, like the people of old, like Daniel in his exile, and like we too in our own exile, working from home and just getting through this pandemic, we need to check ourselves. And, you know, I ask this myself. I, I check up on this every now and then. I ask my wife. I ask my, my, my D group, my discipleship network. And these are honest questions that we can ask ourselves. Number one, how's your scripture intake? My scripture intake has been reduced. See? My prayer life has stagnated. Is that you today? I've allowed sin and compromise to creep into my walk. My life has not exhibited any transformation in recent months or even years. My motives have been selfish. Maybe you've been focused on your outward appearance more than your internal walk with God. I haven't made an impact on the people around me. All throughout this pandemic, I've been living with my family or people, but I haven't made a dent. And lastly, I haven't stewarded my resources for God's kingdom. Whatever it is, the answer to this self-check questions, you know that God is convicting you right now. That for things to change, even in the course of this pandemic, it has to start with you. In your own walk are you standing firm 
You see like that check engine on our car dashboard, yeah? sometimes it blinks yellow and it says check engine. Sometimes even these questions will serve as that blinking sign to show us what is wrong in our lives or what is lacking. And if we don't check it one way or another, like a car that hasn't been checked in its engine and its oil and everything else, it will stall and it will break down. Is that you today? Are you on the verge of breaking down on your journey, burning out and just stalling and overheating and just breaking down? Well, my dear friends, we can stand firm. I want to encourage you with this message once again. How do we stand firm? Because of God's grace, we can stand firm. We can be faithful in the little things. Ask yourself again, how can I be faithful with whatever God has entrusted for me today, even in the small things? We can keep our integrity. We can build continually in our character. It's accumulated over time. And we ask, am I one person before God and others? And third, we need to resist all of these compromises in the culture. What areas have I compromised or have been conformed to the image of Christ? We are either being enticed and compromised to the world's ways or we are being conformed to Christ-likeness. And lastly, minister. How do I seek God and serve others, particularly in our prayer life? This is how we stand firm, my dear friends. This is how we go through life's twists and turns. And this is how God secures our steps. Every season, every trial, He is with us. I want to close with this portion of Scripture where we see at the near the end of Daniel's life where he actually gets a wonderful and amazing beyond, beyond your wildest imagination kind of encounter with God. He sees a specific aspect about the future and this is such a comfort for Daniel who has been through so much already. He has outlasted several kingdoms and he sees this one figure at a certain point being revealed to him. Let's go to Daniel 7 verse 9. As, as I looked, Daniel said, thrones were placed and the Ancient of Days took his seat. This is God, our Almighty Father. And his clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. He had a heavenly vision of what God was looked like upon his throne and he said a stream of fire issued and came out from before him and thousands upon thousands served him ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him and the court sat in judgment and the books were opened so we see here an example of again the name the meaning of the name of daniel god is my judge and near the end of Daniel's life, he saw the wonderful judge on his throne and opening the books. So we see for Daniel to see this vision, it's as if God was communicating to him that all of his hardships, whatever was done wrong, all of the injustices, it will be made right upon the time of God. This is the ultimate deliverance that God has for his people. 
And look at further in verse 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one, like a what? A son of man. This is Jesus, who, who called himself the son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given, read this with me now, dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. We serve a God who is beyond all of the kingdoms on earth. And his kingdom is one that surpasses all of the earthly and worldly kingdoms. And so this is a tremendous encouragement, not just for Daniel, but for us. We, you see, we serve a God who dominates eventually, ultimately, every kingdom, every king. And look at this. He says, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. This is the ultimate fate and destiny of, for the people of God, for those who belong to his kingdom. And Daniel is blessed to see this vision, and it is now being shared to us. This is a sample of a future apocalyptic vision where we see that the, the book of Daniel is not just about stories of himself, but in chapter 7 to 12, he sees how it, it will all end. And we so, for us people of God, we see that this is our trajectory. That although we are challenged and burdened and struggling and wrestling right now, we know that our God will serve the victory. That His dominion is a dominion that's everlasting and He will rule and reign in our lives. And that is our hope as we stand firm. So you see, my dear friends, whatever we face in this life, we know that God has us. He will eventually come one day soon and Jesus will return and save us and snatch us out of this world into His kingdom, the new earth and the new heavens. Are you looking forward to that future reality? The Bible says that that is our destiny. All of us are headed there. The question is, are you standing firm? This is our message today from the life of Daniel, from the book that he wrote. Why don't we all pray together now as we turn our focus on God. Heavenly Father, Ancient of Days, we thank you indeed that you are the one who holds all of our days together in the palm of your hands. And although today we are challenged, we're struggling, we face our sin daily, we know, Lord, that ultimately you have our future secured. We thank you, Lord, for the Son of Man, Christ Jesus, whom you revealed to Daniel and now revealed to us through your word in the scriptures. We see him who came to this earth 2,000 years ago, who although he was God, he took on the form of a human servant and he died the death that we were supposed to die on that cross. As he was nailed there, he paid for our sins and he allowed and paved the way to reach the Father. Indeed, in Jesus' own words, he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
And right now, I'm praying for all of us that we would recognize and acknowledge and surrender our lives to you as you are our Lord and King and Master and Savior. Oh, help us, Lord, to stand firm in this gospel truth that you came to this earth, that you died, and that you rose again, and that you ascended on high, and today you are seated on the right hand of God until the day that you return once again to fetch us, your bride, your church, to be with you forever. Until then, O oh Lord, allow us to stand firm in your promises, in your truth, in who you are. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. All dominion, all glory, all power, all majesty is yours. In Jesus' name we pray, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Amen and amen. understood God's character that even in the midst of challenges, he stood firm in his faith. Daniel was not deterred by his situation because he knows that God will deliver him in his predicament. May we all continue to seek Jesus because through him, we will find victory. To help process the message, here are the breakout questions. First, why do you think it's important to stand firm F-I-R-M, in the midst of trials and challenges? And second, in which aspects of your life can you apply faithfulness, integrity, resisting the temptations to compromise, and ministering unto the Lord? Enjoy your breakout single. See you again next week. Take care and God bless.